hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Church Leadership Lab, where our goal is conversations that help empower healthy churches. Really glad to bring another one of those to you today. Now, it's just me today. Uh, it's a bit of a unique episode where we are actually going to bring you uh, an interview that we recently did um, from our live event, the Healthy Church Summit. So I'll explain more about that in just a minute. But before I do, I wanted to ask if you could help me with something. Uh, we would love for this podcast to get into more church leaders' ears to help them as best that we can. And a couple of ways that you can do that. One is by leaving a review of this show. Uh, so if you are especially listening on Apple Podcasts or you're watching us on YouTube, if you could leave a review, leave a comment, we would so appreciate that. That helps us to be able to serve more church leaders and hopefully serve more churches. So if you could please do that, that would mean so much to us and we'd appreciate that. The second thing is I would love to invite you to come over and follow us on Instagram. Uh, we are at Ministry Brands Official, and we share all sorts of resources beyond just this podcast that are designed and created to help you as a church leader. So everything from blogs to live events, to customer stories, to different trainings, to different uh, leadership uh, voices, we have it all for you. And so the best way to find out about a lot of that is following us on Instagram. So go over to at Ministry Brands Official, hit follow, hit a couple likes while you're there. We would love that. Now for today's episode, we recently had our Healthy Church Summit uh, just a little bit ago. And one of the, the special guests that we had was Jim Shepard from Generis. Now Jim's been on the podcast before uh, and he and the team at Generis are just experts when it comes to cultivating generous disciples and growing generosity in your church. Uh, and so what we had at the summit was Jim come and to teach and to share wisdom all around year end giving. Now you're listening to this and we are right at about that time of year end. Uh, and so we thought it would be great to share this interview that we had with Jim with you, our church leadership lab family. Uh, and so we're bringing you this audio. You can listen to this, but also if you want to check out more from the Healthy Church Summit, we have a link uh, in the description, in the notes that you can click and watch the whole thing. But we're really excited to be able to share this interview. It's packed full of wisdom. It's packed full of some things that honestly change the way that, that people are kind of thinking about year end giving. And it's just super rich. And so we're really glad to share this with you. And I hope you enjoy my interview with Jim Shepard. Well, Jim, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I appreciate it. Scott, it's always good to be with you, brother. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. Well, as we jump in, I'd love to start here, um, just to, to start at the beginning. Um, from your experience, your perspective, what are the most significant things uh, to make sure to get right for a successful year-end giving campaign? I'd say there's two of them, Scott, and this there's no genius in any of the, this. This is going to be obvious, but um, it's just based on observing how churches deal with this every year. The first one is start early. Start early. In other words, give yourself plenty of time. Um, the ones that don't go well tend to be churches that have waited until after Thanksgiving to even think about this. Oh, wait, your end's coming. i gotta got to do something. That's too late. You, you can do something. But it's going to be, it's, it's not going to have everything it needs to, to, to be effective. So start early. So I love the timing of this, you know, that, that, that you're doing. This would be about the right time to start. 
Most people don't have it on their radar screen yet, but we're starting our year end getting motion here to make sure people are aware of it. And then the second one, which is, is related to that, and this is why you have to start early, is to think about your messaging. Think about your messaging. So messaging is really important. Start early and have good messaging. I'm not going to tell you what your message should be. Got some ideas about what that should be. But if you don't start early, here's what I can almost assure you. Your messaging will be off because you won't have enough time to think it through and clarify what's really important for you between now and year end. And, um, you know, that's, that's I mean, if, you, if you do those two things, then the other things are not that hard. The tactical piece, the, the motions, whether it be the social media, whether it be the emails to your people, whether it be what you're going to say in public in your worship gatherings, because obviously you got to say something about this in your worship gatherings. I think all of that is a part of it. Start early, good messaging. And those, those two are related. Now, what advice would you give as church leaders are looking to set goals for year-end giving? Is there a certain percentage of the yearly budget? Is there maybe another metric, something that can help inform goals? Yeah, I love this question, Scott, because what it brings to mind for me is that what churches tend to do is they tend to leap toward some financial number that they need between now and year end. Hey, so we are hoping to take in a million six hundred thousand this year. Looks like we're running about two hundred thousand dollars behind, and they begin to define success in the two hundred thousand. So, what if instead of doing that, we define certain giver behaviors that we want to improve? and see if that might have a better chance, and not not only see if it might, it will have a better chance of getting your $200,000 for you, right? Between now and year in, we'd like to see more people make a first-time gift to our church than ever before. Yeah. In fact, we'd like to see, we had 100 between Thanksgiving and, and the end of the year last year, we had 110 people who gave for the first time. We'd like to see that be 200 this year. We'd like to see, um, and then you can call out some other kinds of things that you would want to see. We'd like to see, we'd like to see 30% of our church give more this year than last year, or whatever metric you would do. So define some underlying giver behaviors that you want to see and not focus so much on your need. That's where we really get caught up. And, and you know me, I'm a financial guy by training and background. Nobody loves a good set of numbers better than I do. But numbers is not how you define this. Talk about how your people are behaving and the things that are, those are, as we might say at Generis, those are inputs to the output, which is giving, right? And so let's not talk about the output, trying to change the output. Let's talk about these inputs that could change giver behavior. And a big part of that is thinking through what does financial discipleship look like in the life of our church? And how would that influence our goal setting as opposed to just transactional thinking for meeting a need, so to speak? Yeah. And I, I love that. I think that, that you probably just help kind of redefine goal setting for year-end giving for a lot of people because that's a that's a, a great way to think about it to end up with the end goal you're looking for, which again, I knowing you. I know it's it, it's not just transactional giving, like you said, but it's actually shaping people. So when it comes to year-end giving, how can churches, um, you know, instead of just focus on maybe a number or transactions, 
how can they ensure that they're better forming and shaping their people through the process? Great question, Scott. So let me back the tape up just a little bit and give you kind of a macro. So the macro that I see in America, and there are lots of churches that are not doing this, but this is kind of the majority, the substantial majority report that I get is, and and and, and by the way, I'm not I'm not saying speaking judgment on anyone because this is a drift that we all a lot of churches ended up over here and they didn't mean to. And when sure. I say it, they realize they're there, but I know it's not a malicious heart or a bad heart or impure motive. They just ended up there. So here's what I, here's what I'm saying. We end up sounding like all of our conversation is that the primary goal is that the church finances flourish. Well, that's that's highly transactional. Yeah. And what we're really trying to do is seek the flourishing of our givers. And then if we'll do that, there would be no question that our churches would flourish, maybe and probably likely much more than they even envision right now. And again, I'm a financial guy. Nobody likes to measure deltas and percentage and prove it more than I do. But I feel like that when we speak about church flourishing first, we're actually putting lids on our giving. And we don't realize that. We're putting lids on giver behavior. And I think, uh, you know, the verse that I would hold up that's the clearest one to me is when Paul was kind of having this, this little, you know, discourse in, in the fourth chapter of Philippi, of his uh, church, letter to the church at Philippi. And he's talking to the people at the church there. And he said, like, look, verse 17. You know, the, the gifts you gave to my ministry, I'm grateful for. But what I was even more excited about was what happened to you when you gave to us. Yeah. So there's the backup of the text. So what would it look like for us to embed that into our year-end giving thinking? So there there would be what I would say some mission and vision talk. Mission and vision gets lived. When mission and vision gets lived out, you're seeing impact. So tell stories of impact recap some of the stories that you've told during the year. One of the things that happens is we drip stories out during the year and nobody realizes that if you put all of those stories together, it's a really massive impact that you're talking about. So maybe even just go back and recap stories you've already told during the year because there is a collective amnesia that begins to set in and you're trying to say, look at all the great stuff we've done this year. Yeah, This is not about meeting a budgetary need. This is about making sure that our ministry is positioned to do more of this right here that we've told you. And then underneath that, rather than talking to people about an amount of money that you need, what about just asking them this question? Hey, so this year, we want to see more new givers. We want to see more of this. Talk about those two or three giver behaviors. But importantly, between now and year end, rather than us telling you how much money we need, here's what we want you to do. We're sending you your giving statement of everything that you've given to the church through the first 10 and a half months. Take a look at that and make sure two things. It's in line with your plan to give this year. And number two, that you've asked God, what would you have me to do to honor you with my finances and the giving I would do between now and the end of the year? And do it that way rather than saying we're running $200,000. You might be running $200,000 short. Let's not make that the primary card that we're throwing out here. Let's put some other things out here. We believe, and we've seen it, when when churches are very intentional and focused on this, it has a much different result, both in terms of the financial piece and the spiritual piece. Yeah, I love that. And I love how it highlights, again, individuals 
what does your discipleship to Jesus look like? And, and what is your faithfulness? That's awesome. Now, the end of the year is fast approaching. I know one of the things you said as we started was it's important um, to start early. So how can churches best prepare for their year-end campaign? And specifically, does Generis have any tools uh, that, that might be able to help with this? So one thing we didn't say here uh, in, the, in the conversation, and I think it's important to put this in here, is everybody talks about December being the largest giving month of the year. You know, I actually can give you some idea of what it looks like in most churches. For most churches, December is twice as big as the average of the other months in the rest of the year. Wow. Right? I was looking at, at the data for um, a church yesterday, pretty large church, and they're receiving anywhere between six and three quarters and eight percent of their income annually per month. Okay? Six and three quarters, 6.75 is the low side, eight is the high. It's running about seven and a half. You know what their what their December is? Sixteen percent, sixteen percent, sixteen percent of their giving comes in December. So there's lots of reasons for that. There's consumer behavior. There's just American behavior. There's procrastination. I mean, there's tax reasons. There's all. Not here to talk about that. That's the reality is that it happens then. So that's why you need to plan early. Think through your messaging, right? And the messaging that we're now that we've gone through this, you're going to hear the messaging we would advocate is more transformational, yeah. not so transactional, right? Start early. I would start by just sitting in a room and getting the numbers from last year and say, hey, what did we do last year in giving? And then say to ourselves, what would it look like for us to experience a substantial improvement in that in terms of and find some giver behavior in there, the number of people who made new gifts or, you know, whatever you wanted to to, 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 to put in there. I mean, for me, by the way, one of the things I'd be talking about this year in is gifts of appreciated assets because lots of people are holding stock that they, that has made money. And if you had $25,000 in stock and $25,000 in cash, I'd tell you to give the stock. And then if you like the stock, go use the cash and buy it back. And now you own it with a $25,000 basis and you wipe all the gains off the books. It's a magical way to give. Totally legal with the, with the IRS. And you can do that. So I would sit in a room with my lead team or whoever my team is, and then I would commission a year-end giving task force. You know, if it's a smaller church, if it's a larger church, you know, whoever it is, commission, you know, a two or a three, or maybe if it's in a larger church, maybe it's five people. Probably has somebody in communications, probably has somebody in finance, and probably has somebody in discipleship. Have all three of those represented, and I think you're likely to end up in a pretty good place. Now, we also have a resource that we've developed that actually takes the year-end process and the January reporting process and weaves them together. Mm. And we call it Finish Strong, Start Well, right? Finish 2023 well, excuse me, Strong, and then start 2024 well. You're gonna have to send a giving statement to your people in January. So what we say is rather than looking at that as two motions, why don't you look at it as one motion that's all together? Yep. And that's what our resource will do. And we've given you guys, I think, the call to action on that so people can, can find that fairly. We'd be glad to help you. Lots of it is free. Got lots of free resources there. But then there is a coaching option for anybody who might want us to come in and help. But that free stuff, you could probably do most of it on your own if you wanted to. Start early. Get your team in the room. Develop your plan. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, as we wrap up, as someone who has a ton of experience cultivating growing generosity in the church, would you just give people some encouragement as they look to finish 2023 strong? Gosh, 
You know, Scott, I, I, as we look at 2023, it's been an amazing year as we watch the churches that go through this. We see hundreds of churches that are, that are our clients. And as you might imagine, we talked to, to two or three times as many churches as that, that, you know, that are, don't end up being our, are they postponed or whatever. You have to talk to a lot of people to, to get to that many. And what we're seeing is a post-pandemic giving uh, pattern that mm. to date looks really strong. Um, our clients are seeing lots of good successes just in their regular ongoing giving. Uh, we're having a lot of people that want to just develop their culture of generosity, even if they're not having a campaign. So there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. I know there's talk of a recession, interest rate. I mean, look, I read the, the Wall Street Journal every day. I know what's there. Um, there's lots of reasons to be concerned. But we live in a world as Christians where we already know who the prevailer is in everything. And so our optimism should be on the other side of all of that, right? I know that there may be a little bit of a, a dip coming, if you believe that, but I still believe God is bigger than all of that. And I would say the piece that we didn't talk about here in your year-end giving campaign would be this, and it would be prayer. And, you know, we tend to add prayer, and talk about prayer as an additive. And several years ago, um, I forget who pointed it out to me, but the October 17th reading in my utmost for its highest is, is a classic in the area of prayer. And it says, I don't remember, I'd have to look it up and read the rest of it, but he says, Oswald Chambers, and don't we love Oswald? I mean, as many times as we, any of us have done my utmost, the next time you go through it, you'll see something you didn't see the time before. Yep. But in this October 17th reading, he says this, and he's talking about Jesus, he's talking about the scripture where Jesus says, greater works than I will, than, than I, will I do in you. And so he says, says this, he says, prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. It's the greater work, brother. And, and if we can remember that, to pray for the hearts of our people, how many times do we sit and design all these tactics and all these wonderful things and all these letters and all of this, and we haven't sat down and said, Lord, would you be the one who rules in hearts, who opens hearts? who opens clenched fists and releases resources into your kingdom for your glory and for your honor, not so that our budget can be met, for your glory and for your honor, and so that we can minister in your name in this community and beyond. And I think for me, if I had to add a final word, that would be my final word. Read October 17th and my utmost for his highest and follow what he says here. Yeah. Well, Jim, thank you so much for not only sharing your wisdom and experience, but sharing uh, your time and helping people to continue to uh, grow disciples and grow generosity. We really appreciate it. Yeah, well, you know I'm passionate about that, brother. So any chance to talk about it with you or others, but I'm always grateful. We always have a good time when we chat together. So thanks for the invite. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. This episode of the Church Leadership Lab podcast is brought to you by Ministry Brands, the largest provider of church technology software. Over 90,000 churches rely on ministry brands for their single platform solution that brings together all the digital tools a church needs. From online giving to websites to church management software and more, Ministry Brands is leading the way in simple to use, innovative solutions, all with the goal of empowering healthy churches. To learn more, visit ministrybrands.com.